0: Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the Prime Minister says we can't pretend that racism doesn't exist in Canada. For far too many Canadians,
1: the images and stories coming out of the U.S. are all too familiar. As a country, we can't pretend that racism doesn't exist here. Anti-black racism is real. Unconscious bias is real.
0: And systemic discrimination is real. they happen here in Canada. The federal government will send cities infrastructure funds ahead of schedule to help with the COVID-19 recovery.
2: I certainly uh, like our government was heartened to see Premier Ford say he recognizes um, that uh, the the provinces will need to be step will need to step up and we're certainly working with them but we recognize that we need to do more.
0: And foreign policy and trade experts call on Canada to re-examine relations with the United States in light of Donald Trump's response to the pandemic.
1: Every development in this pandemic seems to pit the United States and their crisis management almost in opposition to Canada. And I'm starting to think it's deliberate.
0: It's Tuesday, June the 2nd. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacorte, columnist for the Toronto Star. Susan, thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me, Mark. So the prime minister spoke about racism in Canada yesterday. I think uh, all of us will acknowledge that it does exist here. We heard from a cabinet minister, Ahmed Hussein, yesterday about his experiences. Uh, We've heard others speaking out. We've seen protests in Canadian cities. Uh, To what extent is this an issue here as compared to the United States? And what can we do about it? What are we doing about it?
1: Well, we're not seeing rioting in the streets uh, here, you know, not to the extent that we're seeing in, uh, in the United States. Any glance at uh, at the news these days uh, in America almost looks like the fall of an empire. You know, it's uh, without overstating it or getting melodramatic. It is uh, what has happened in there uh, in cities across the United States right now is bad. And I think what you were hearing from the Prime Minister yesterday was an attempt to show that, uh, look, this situation here is manageable. Um, I thought it was really interesting how, um, at the briefing, the daily briefing with, uh, with Patty Haidu, the Health Minister, and Teresa Tam, Chief uh, Health Officer. Instead of uh, talking about how COVID nineteen could be spread during uh, during these riots, I, I think that's just a, that's a, the the jarring part. A week ago in the United States, the fear was of people coming out of their houses too soon. Yeah, uh, and and now everybody's not only out on the streets, they're. Protesting on the streets, uh, there it doesn't look at all like physical distancing. What's going on there? And so yesterday at the briefing in Canada, uh, the the minister and other and the health officials were asked, "What about COVID 19 And I, I thought it was such a Canadian moment. They gave advice on how to how to protest using. How to protest safely? Right. Uh, How to bring social distancing? And wear a mask and uh, and try not to um, try not to shout because shouting spreads droplets.
0: Right. Yeah. Very interesting. Now there are some people. There were comments on social media saying because of the blackface scandal that came to light during the last election campaign that the Prime Minister was not the person to be commenting on this, had no place in this discussion. Uh, do you think Justin Trudeau is is vulnerable on this issue or is exposed here?
1: Well, you know, I, I, I didn't even dare look at Twitter yesterday about this because um, I, I'm glad he was asked it. I think... You see this, the, the incidents uh, of him dressing up in blackface have not gone away. And every time the subject of racism comes up, his critics are quick to remind him that his record on this is a little spotty. And uh, I thought that uh, it was uh, it was good he was asked it. He said, look, I've learned from this. What it, What it brought to mind for me is during the election, I think you and I might've even talked about this during the election, It um, People at the door and the polling that everyone was doing found that people didn't didn't believe that Justin Trudeau was a racist for those incidents. They, They actually thought that he had been properly contrite. It showed he was learning, and you saw him using that posture yesterday. Look, I'm not proud of my own past in this. I am trying to get past it and um, everybody has got some answering to do for themselves as well again your question at the outset uh, is this a problem in canada yes it is and we don't need uh, violence in the streets to show this there is all kinds of racism that still exists in canada uh, some of it during the pandemic has been uh, targeted at the chinese and the asian communities too yeah and we've seen a, a rise in that. So we, we should not be smug, but um, but it does happen
0: here. No question. All right. Let's turn to the coronavirus situation and what the government is doing to provide support in a number of different areas. The latest is money that is intended to go to cities. Uh, there is infrastructure money that's flowing ahead of schedule. There's money going to municipalities. Uh, but I think there's an acknowledgment here that even more than that is going to be needed. Uh, what's your sense of, of the state of cities in this country as they grapple with this crisis? They don't have the same tools at their disposal. They can't run deficits, for example, unlike provincial and federal governments. Uh, so will this infrastructure money help, and and are municipalities going to get through this?
1: It helps, uh Definitely. As the, you saw a number of mayors saying yesterday, any little bit helps. Uh, this is, as you point out, money that they were going to get anyway. And I don't think this is the end of this story. You know, last week I uh, I had a conversation with Melanie Jolie, the, uh, who is now the Minister of Regional Economic Development. She told me something interesting. You know, normally we're used to seeing the regional development minister, go out to, <clears throat> to the hinterlands in Canada, you know, to basically rural distressed areas, uh, outposts to get, you know, to to toss some money around at them out in that direction so that um, to boost uh, depressed regions. What she told me is that her job as regional economic development minister now is um, mainly urban. That the, the big problems of the pandemic have hollowed out the downtowns. That, that when we think now of a distressed region in Canada, we're talking about downtown Ottawa, we're talking about downtown Toronto, and where Jolie lives, downtown Montreal. So uh, her, her budget was doubled. From one billion to two billion, and she said a lot of that is going to business and urban areas in downtown. And all of us who live in urban areas have seen this. Uh, that there's a real possibility that 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 we're going to have a very different downtown when things ever get reopened than we had before the pandemic. So I would imagine this is just the first stage of it, but I think downtowns are for all kinds of reasons are going to be a major concern of the government people not going back to work downtown uh people are not using transit um the the, the entire this has thrown our world upside down and there are going to be some interesting uh things that uh, that happened to the old urban rural divide in canada yeah. if you live in a rural area you're probably uh a, a little safer in this pandemic and then when you live downtown.
0: It's a really interesting point. The problem used to be too many people were going downtown and, and public transit yep. was meant to be the solution to that. And there were all kinds of other considerations about how to discourage the use of cars in downtown cores in urban environments, that sort of thing. But that isn't the problem anymore. We'll see what happens when things start to return to normal. Uh, let's talk Whenever about that is. yeah. Let's talk about Canada's relationship with the United States because there are some foreign policy and trade experts saying we should re-examine that now because of Donald Trump's response to the pandemic. Perhaps there will be some who will say uh, as well because of his response to the protests in the United States, but particularly around the pandemic. What are your thoughts on how Canada's relationship with the U.S. is evolving and how the coronavirus crisis? Has had an impact on that.
1: You know, I've been writing about this throughout the pandemic because at first it was intriguing, and it gets the prince gets more stark each day. Um, Where Donald Trump has been hurry up, Justin Trudeau has been slow down. Where Donald Trump has been talking about business and the importance of the economy, you hear Canada talking much more about health. Every iteration and every development in this pandemic seems to pit the United States and their crisis management almost in opposition to Canada. And I'm starting to think it's deliberate. Um, I, I watched the Prime Minister and all this, uh, all the advice and uh, protest advice they were giving Canadians yesterday. And it does seem that there is a stark division between how Canada is trying to... or. or They're trying to say to Donald Trump, look, here's the way to handle a crisis, and it's not the way you do. We've now had a border closed with the United States since March 21st, and it's supposed to open on June 21st, which is two and a bit weeks from now. I'm thinking, as we're watching what we were talking about earlier— Canadians are watching what's going on in the United States I don't think there's going to be any eagerness to open that border I think the country looks like it's out of control Uh, and we all we all have neighbors you know that we wish we could build bigger fences with and I I think we're at that stage right now in Canada the polls are showing that Canadians are aware of what's going on in the States they're worried about it and I'm thinking not just for the long term but in the immediate term, that uh, the, we're going to see Canada putting more distance, if not physical, with its uh, U.S. neighbour, but certainly a psychic distance.
0: And tied into that, of course, is uh, the debate over what to do with the G7 summit and and whether Justin Trudeau is going to attend in person or... Uh, or show up in some other form, virtually, for example. Uh, whether those meetings will even take place, there's there's a different dynamic around those kinds of discussions now than there was a few years ago, right?
1: Uh, well, I keep my mind keeps going back to that famous incident with Boris Johnson and uh, and the Prime Minister and Emmanuel Macron at Buckingham Palace right. last.
0: And Princess Anne. Uh, Last year,
1: yes, and and joking and laughing about Donald Trump Hmm. trying to, you know, uh, he uh, preempted his his announcement about the G7. And they were they were laughing about the way Trump was handling the G7 meeting at that point. Uh, I I, I keep wondering if um, if he wants them all in the same room to make sure they're not laughing at him behind his back. I, I think Donald Trump he, he doesn't like to travel at the best of times. I think he, or more mix with foreign leaders. I think he's going to do whatever he can. He has sort of more urgent issues on his plate right now. Anything that doesn't help Donald Trump with his reelection, I think, is not that concerning to him at the moment. Yet another difference between Canada and the United States. You see Justin Trudeau trying to the UN Security Council seat, spending a lot of time talking to other international leaders, where the United States is very focused domestically. You know, it's uh, the differences between our two countries right now are massive.
0: All right, Susan, great to have your perspective on all of this today. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. That's Susan Delacorte, columnist for the Toronto Star. For far too many Canadians...
1: The images and stories coming out of the U.S. are all too familiar. As a country, we can't pretend that racism doesn't exist here.
0: Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Montreal Gazette, Myrna Lashley argues the black community's hurt and anger transcends borders. Lashley writes, We are seeing uprisings across the globe. They are not simply nice gestures supporting George Floyd and his family. They are responses about the value of black lives. The death of Floyd has served as the catalyst for the unleashing of years of hurt and anger. Add the waiting, praying, understanding, teaching, and forgiving, and it becomes easy to understand why black people across the globe are protesting. At globalnews.ca, Bill Kelly argues we cannot let anger dictate actions. Kelly writes... Peaceful protests and demonstrations may be ignored by the current White House occupant, but history shows they will garner more support than the violence we've seen the last few nights. Burning buildings only empowers a racist president to tweet about looting instead of addressing the real concern that an unarmed black man, hands tied behind his back, died before our very eyes. We have every right to be angry, but don't let anger dictate actions. Now here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. This morning, the Parliamentary Budget Officer will release two more costings of two of the government's emergency
2: measures in response to the COVID-19 crisis. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more. Mark, Parliamentary Budget Officer Yves Giroux will release his two costings of government emergency measures on his website at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. He'll be looking at two series of measures. First, the government's measures to assist seniors, and second, the government's temporary changes to Canada's student loans. It'll be interesting to see what he makes of the government's numerous and incremental announcements to aid for seniors. First, there was a one-time payment through the GST credit in April, and then there was funding to community organizations, such as those who deliver groceries and medications. And then in May, the government weighed in with some big commitments. It says it could be worth $2.5 billion dollars. That includes an up to $500 payment for eligible seniors, $300 for the 6.7 million seniors who receive OAS, or old age security, and a further $200 for the 2.2 million seniors who receive the guaranteed income supplement. Seniors groups are anxiously awaiting those monies. The Parliamentary Budget Officer will also look at the government's changes to student loans program. The government is announcing it will lend students more, they could now receive up to $11,900 in the coming year, and students won't be required to make their minimum fixed contribution. The government says that it will ensure more students will qualify for the loans. So Mark, it will be interesting to see what Parliamentary Budget Officer Yves Giroux will make of the programs when he looks at them and announces the details on his website.
0: Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister is expected to give his daily update on the coronavirus situation. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, June 2nd. Tune into CPAC and CPAC.ca throughout the day today for continuing coverage of the coronavirus crisis. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.